today. You know, it's funny that Pastor, right now, when he was, when, when the mission section was finished, he, he said something. And I was like, wow, that's pretty much what I'm going to be speaking on today. Um, he said that when God calls you to do something, he'll enable you to do it. Um, and, and that's, that's the truth. You know, when God tells us to do something, when he calls us to do something, he will enable us to do it. And, um, you know, for those of you that have been here since the beginning of the year, you've heard him speaking the series on Propel, which if you haven't, go to our website, lccne.org. The podcasts are up. It's an amazing, amazing series. And, and today I kind of want to add to that in my own way, and, and it's that God is going to propel us in our destiny to, to be world changers, to affect our context. And that's, that's what I want to speak on today. You guys have your Bibles with you? All right, so either open them up, turn them on, but let's go to Genesis 50, verse 20. Genesis 50, verse 20. That's the first book of the Bible, right there towards the end, verse 20. I hear pages turning. That's amazing. People still have paper Bibles. I love it. Genesis 50, verse 20. Can I get an amen when you're there? So it says the following. It says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. Another version says, so I can preserve life. So I can preserve life. I'm sure you guys can imagine what story of the Bible that's coming from. That's coming from the story of Joseph. The story of Joseph is an amazing story. Lots of highs, lots of lows. It's, it's like, a, it's a saga, the story of Joseph. Have you guys read it? It's an amazing, amazing story. We see how God takes him through many things, you know, and towards the end of his life, he becomes second in the land of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh, probably the richest most powerful individual in the land at that time besides Pharaoh himself. But how many know that his life didn't start that way? He went through stuff. He went through things. He had issues. We've all got issues. And he had some serious issues. When I look at the beginning of his life, I was really, really impressed because, you know, we see the story on how his father had given him this beautiful robe. His dad had given him this wonderful robe because the Bible says that his dad loved him more than he even loved his other children. And he was very, very expressive with that love. You see, but Joseph was not very wise in his youth. He was the kind of kid, like most teenagers are, that tend to be very boastful. Like, look at this that dad gave me, going to show all his brothers. You know, he had 11 other brothers, or 10 at that time, and showing them all of these things that his dad had given him. And because of his boastfulness, he started creating tension within his family. Because of his mouth, because of the things that he would say, he started causing these feelings within his brothers that they started to dislike him. They started to dislike their own brother. You know, Joseph was the kind of kid that didn't use his filter. How many know that we all have a God-given filter? And it's right here in between our ears, right? We all have this God-given filter that we're supposed to use. You know, not everything we think we have to say. Can I repeat that? Let me repeat that. Not everything we think of we have to say it. 
We got to use our filter. And Joseph was not the kind of person that used it. He was the kind of person, it seems to me, that he would say what was on his mind, whether good or bad, whether for better or for worse. And that caused him a lot of pain, my friends. It caused him a lot of pain and a lot of heartache to the point where his brothers ended up hating him. Hating him so much they contemplated murder. They contemplated killing their own brother. Oldest brother Reuben said, no, no, let's not kill him. Let's toss him in the pit. So they tossed him in a pit. Now I start to think, being in a pit, seeing the sun come up, seeing the sun go down, seeing the sun come up again, seeing the sun go down, that's a scary place to be in. Being in a pit by yourself in the middle of the desert is not a safe place. It's not where you and I want to find ourselves. It's a scary, scary place. And I think a lot of it had to do just because of that not using his filter. Because he couldn't keep his mouth shut. And that ended up causing him lots of pain. You know, there's a saying in Spanish that I happen to love. And it says, el pez por la boca muere. Which means that a fish dies by his mouth. Okay, I know we have several master anglers within our, uh, within our church community. I'm thinking of a couple right now. Right now, I won't say any names, Brother Terry. <clears throat> but, uh, but I'm thinking of a couple. You know, and, and it's so true. Many times we can get ourselves in serious trouble because of the things that we say, because of the way we open our mouth, you know, and not applying that filter. But how many know that our God is a God of restoration? Amen. Our God is a God that restores. Our God is a God that takes the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Our God is a God of transformation. You know, and many times that transformation comes through a process. Processes, I believe, are of God. You know, I myself have had to go through many processes. When I was stuck in drug addiction for 10 years, I ended up having to go through a process of restoration, of God purifying, cleansing me, restoring me. And we see that in the life of Joseph as well. We see that Joseph went through a process. He went through processes where God was purifying him and was cleaning him, was cleansing him, was changing him. His process was a difficult one. His process was through jail. His process was through slavery. But God uses those processes in our life to change us, to form us, to mold us into what he wants us to be. And it's not to say that He, God can't do an immediate, instantaneous change. I'm not saying that at all. I've seen it happen. I've seen people that one day are addicts. God prays for them. Boom. They're not addicts anymore. I've seen people that are struggling with issues. God just touches them and they're not that way anymore. You know, for me, it's been processes. I remember when I first came to the Lord, I struggled a lot with sarcasm. Any of you sarcastic? (laughs) You don't have to raise your hand. Okay, well, I got a couple of hands. But um, I I used to be a very, very sarcastic individual, like to the point where it was probably annoying for most. You know, until one day, I remember dealing with a certain individual. I still remember to this day who it was. And... um, Man, he was really irking me. He was really annoying me. He was really bothering me. And I started praying and seeing like, what is it about this dude that is just not rubbing me right? And I was like, oh, that's what it is. I'm looking into a mirror. I was totally, totally looking into a mirror. 
And his sarcasm was just irking me. It was something that I did not like at all. Like, I'll confess it. I didn't like it one bit. And that's when I started praying for God to help change me, for God to help mold me. You know, the Bible says we were formed in his image and his likeness. I was like, God, take this out of me. And I started a process where God started removing that aspect of my life because I figure if this guy is bothering me so much, then I must be bothering people too, you know? And and I don't want to be that person. I want to be an example. So I was like, Lord, please Please change me. And God started restoring me. God started forming me. God started changing those areas in my life. And when we look at the Bible, we see many, many an occasion of God's redeeming, restoring power. Many occasions. There's a beautiful example, which I'm sure you guys have heard sermons just on this example. And it's in John 21, 15 through 17. You can go there. I'm not going to read the story. I just wanted to give the reference. But it's when Peter gets asked by Jesus. Jesus asks him, do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus asked Peter. And Peter says, of course I love you. And then what does Jesus tell him? Well, feed my sheep. You know, and I'm sure, again, you guys have heard stories or preachings on all of this. We see that Jesus asks him three times. And many Bible scholars will say that that's to restore him from the three times that he denied knowing Jesus earlier. God is such a God of restoration. You know, he takes us and he goes forming us. He goes changing those areas in our life that need to be changed so that we can be more like him. And so we can make an impact in this world because that's what we have been called to do. You know, we see the story of Peter, for example. And this was a guy who earlier denied Jesus three times. And after God's restoration, the same guy preaches a message, 3,000 are saved. Preaches another message, 5,000 are saved. This is a guy who walks by people and his shadow heals people. This is a guy that has been used, was used mightily by God. An individual whom God says, I will build my church upon you. But when we look at his before, he was a guy like you and I. He was a normal individual. There was nothing special about him. This was a guy who had issues. He dealt with anger. He dealt with anger severely. I tend to call him passionate. That's what I think he was. I think he was a passionate individual. But many times he didn't express that passion in a healthy way. And we see that he had to deal with anger. We see this guy being the one that pulls out a sword and cuts the ear off of the guard that was going to come take Jesus. We see men like Joseph who were boastful, who were tend to be proud. People who were not looked favorably upon by others. We see a transformation that God does in their lives. We see that God takes them, being who they are, switches them around, polishes them up, and puts them to serve for his kingdom. You know, when I went through Youth Challenge, the founder of that ministry, Raul Gonzalez, he had a saying, and it was this. He said, there's a treasure in the attic, okay? Now, I want to change that up because I think that there's a treasure in all of us. I think there's a treasure absolutely in all of us that God wants to, through process, through pressure, through the trials of life many times, bring to the surface to be able to use for his glory. You know, Jesus, he receives us as we are. 
He receives us just as we are. But it's through that process, it's through walking with him that he cleanses us, that he polishes us, that he goes making us beautiful and perfect to be able to use for his glory. You know, a little bit earlier we talked about fishermen. And I want to give another example. So, when I go to Miami, I love fishing. I love to do it. There's a type of fishing in particular that I like, and it's called backcountry fishing. It's on the flats. It's sight fishing where you go through the mangroves, and you're in like six to eight inches of water, and you're catching fish by sight. It's an awesome type of fishing because the fish that you get there are delicious. I like to eat what I catch. You know, you have things like redfish trout, which to some of you that may mean nothing, but it's really good fish. But what I like to do is once I catch them, I like to bring them onto the boat, and then once we hit inland, what do we do? We go to a cleaning station, which is like a basin where water's flowing, and that's where you skin it and gut it, and that's when you take it home. You know, many times I think God wants to do the same with us. He catches us just as we are. He catches us with all of our filth. He catches us with all of those things that need to be cleansed and purified us. And then he takes us to that cleaning station. And in that cleaning station, he starts slowly but surely cleaning us out, removing all of those things that are in us that he doesn't want, or all of those things that are in us that might hold us back from fulfilling that purpose or from fulfilling that mission that he has for us. He takes us along that process and he starts purifying us. He starts cleaning us. So I say, come as you are, yes. But as we're walking with Jesus, there should be change. There should be change in our life as we are walking in Jesus. We should not be the same person we are now as when we came to God. You know, I was watching a series one day, and it was a married couple. And the guy says about his wife, I love her as much as I did the day we got married. And I was thinking to myself, huh, there's probably a problem there. It seems to me like there's an issue with that. Because in my mind, I love my wife more than I did the day we got married. And I think that should be true for all of us, that we should love our spouses more than when we got married. And I think, you know, as we're walking with Jesus and he's cleansing us and he's purifying us and he's taking all of those things out, you know, our love for him and his love for us should go growing. And as we're loving him even more, we want to be more like him. We want to do what he wants us to do. We want to eliminate those areas in our life that are not pleasing to him you know and once we start doing that we start seeing change i know that i right now i've been saved since when december of 2005 was when i got saved december 5th 2005 to be exact and since i got saved i know that i am not the same person that i was when i got saved i am a different person there's no doubt no question about that i'll go to miami be walking down the mall see one of my friends and they'll be like chris and they say the nickname they used to say to me back then, which I'm not going to say from the altar. They'll be like, Chris, is that you? And I was like, yeah, man, what's up? And we would talk and they're like, oh my goodness, you, you're, you're different. I'm like, yeah, you know, God's been good. I, I've changed. I've changed. And that should be true for all of us. We should not be the same. We should be changed. Come on, let's give Jesus a round of applause this morning. We should not be the same person. We should be changing you know and in acts 1 which by the way how many of you have been reading acts remember you had homework last week we're all supposed to be reading the book of acts and there's a scripture in acts i mean the whole story is a, it, it's a great great book very very 
readable, if that word even exists. Um, but Acts 1.8 has a very, very famous portion of Scripture, which I would like for you to go to, actually. Let's go to Acts 1.8. You know, as you're looking for it, we've been, again, we've been talking about fishermen. Jesus himself has said that we're to be fishers of men. That is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be catching individuals, you know. And and when we read this, it's amazing what I see in Acts 1.8. It says the following, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, Telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Let's read that again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We need to pray for the Holy Spirit, my friends. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the world. You know, I think that that scripture is absolutely true for each and every one of us. Change the name of the cities, though. I think that we have been called to reach Lincoln, to reach Nebraska, to reach the United States and the ends of the world. I think that each and every one of us has been called by God to reach and impact the world, to reach and impact our communities You know, to reach and impact our context. We are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. And the Bible says what person gets a light and puts it under a bushel, the song says. No, you don't do that. You put it on a lampstand. The Bible says that we are the salt of the world. But what good is salt if it loses its flavor? We have been called to make a difference. We are not like everybody else. We are not like everybody else. We have someone who causes a change. We have someone in us who makes us different. We have Jesus in us who has called us to be different wherever we are, to make a change wherever we are, to cause an impact wherever we are. Wherever we go, people should see us and be like, that person is different and I want what they have. We cannot be the same as the world. We are called to be different. We have a great calling. God has called us to impact the world. You know, a little while ago, we had Andy and Pastor Solo up here talking about his mission trip. I love missions. I absolutely love missions. Um, you know, I lived on the missions field for eight years. And, and missions is a part that is very, very close to my heart. It's something that, that you know, I, I've heard Pastor Dustin say, we all have a pocket for something. You know, and I got a pocket for missions. Because I love missions and I love the work of the gospel in missions. You know, and many of us want to go on missions trips and, and cause a change around the world and and that's amazing i applaud it and i think we all should do it but i want to i want to confront ourselves today and ask ourselves this are we changing our community are we changing our context is my workplace different because of me is my school different because of me is my neighborhood different because of me you know are we mission-minded within our communities we all you know 
have those dreams of grandeur, at least I do, of wanting to change the world. Because I, I, I do, I want to change the world. I want to make the world better for Jesus. But are we starting right now? Are we starting within our communities? Are we starting in our neighborhoods? Do our neighbors know what's different about us? Do our co-workers know what's different about us? Like me, for example, you're not going to catch me cussing. You're not going to catch me doing it. You know, and I've had people ask me, oh, you know, I've never heard you cuss. I'm like, yeah, because I, I just don't talk like that. You know, and, and that starts a conversation of why I don't speak that way. Because they see that I'm being different in that sense. And we are all called to be different. We are all called to make that impact. You know, when I moved to Lincoln... I had ideas. I was doing the math, and I've been here for almost two years. In July, it'll be two years that I've been living in Lincoln. And I had an idea of how things were going to be. I had an, you know, how we all make up these ideas in our mind of how things were going to be. I still remember when Pastor Solo and Pastor Jerry came to us in Guatemala, to my wife and I, and we're talking about coming to Lincoln. Like, the first thing I did was totally Google Maps. Where is Lincoln, Nebraska? Like, I had no idea. And and looking it up, you know, and now being here, I had my mind of ideas of how things were going to be based on my experiences. Living in Guatemala for most of my Christian walk, you know, there's ways that you do things over there. There's protocols, there's ways you evangelize, there's ways that you go and you bless people, which is very different from the way you do things here. You know, culture dictates a lot of that. And my experiences had showed me how I was supposed to do things, how I was going to evangelize, how I was going to flow. Well, when I got here, how many know that I faced a rude awakening? Rude, rude awakening. Things were very, very different than the ideas that I had made up in my mind. You know, in Guatemala, you go to a village in the mountains, and the homes are shanties, you know, made of wood and, like, corrugated sheet metal. Um, it's a type of thing where people don't have running water many times, and they have to go to the village well to wash their clothes and to take water back to their homes. That's the way a lot of things is. So if, if you want to evangelize, you want to go do things of that nature— you, a lot of times, take stuff to bless them, whether it be food, grains, whatever the case might be. And, you know, when I was, when I was here, when I came here, and I, I was doing some evangelizing, I was in an area that, that I considered, you know, or that I thought was maybe a lower income. And we were talking to some people, and a family invited me into their house, and I was like, wow, like flat screen television, like all of it. I was like, wow, like, Okay, all right, so I see how things are going. And, and it was just, it was different for me. And it was, like I said earlier, it was a, a rude awakening. The strategies, if you will, the concepts, the ideas that I had were not going to work. Were not going to work. They just weren't. They weren't going to work. So God started really working in me. And, and, and I got to say, I, I got to be completely honest. You know, I started to feel like a failure. I started to feel like, okay. It started weighing on me. You know, I was, I was, I was praying a lot. I was, I was crying, praying to God, like, God, you need to show me, like, how I'm gonna do this. Like, what, what's, you need to show me, cause I started to feel, you know, we're human. We're human. And we start getting that, just that weight upon us, like, this is not going how I was expecting it or how I thought. You know, what I know, everything I know, is not working anymore. God, you need to teach me. You need to teach me what I need to do, you know? And it started getting to the point where I was missing Guatemala. 
but in an unhealthy way. You follow me? It, it, was, it was getting unhealthy the way that I was missing Guatemala. And then I was actually having a, pastor, a conversation with pastor, and, and he was telling me his experience on how God spoke to them, to him and his wife, when they were living here. And it said, you guys are dreaming about your mission field, but this is your mission field. He told it to me, obviously, a lot more eloquently. I'm just paraphrasing. But he basically told me, you know, that God spoke to him and said, this is your mission field. And I was like, yeah, duh. Oh, my goodness. Like, it just, you know, like totally opened up my mind. This is my mission field. This is my mission field. This is where I have been called to minister. The city of Lincoln, the city of Crete. This is where I have been called to minister. And it just totally changed my dynamic. That coupled with the fact that during my small group, we were having a conversation. And, and, and just the way the conversation was flowing within the small group, I was like, oh my goodness, this is totally my mission field. Like I need to stop looking at things the way I've been looking at it and really know that I have been called to this place. I have been called within this time to minister in this area. And I want to say the same is true for each and every one of us here. You are not here by accident. You may think that it's a job that brought you here. You may think that it's because I was born here that you're here. You may think whatever you may think, but I want you to know that God has called you to this time, to this place, to this church for his purpose and for his mission. And it's to be used for his glory. You have been called for such a time and such a place as this. God wants to use you to change your context. I mean, I look around, I go to a restaurant, I go to, I went to, with my wife to go to the movies in downtown a couple of weeks ago and just walking around, man, there are people lost. There are people that are completely lost within this city and it is my job, it is your job to start impacting and to make a change within this city. We need to, we need to just really understand that we have been called to this place to make a change. You know, and, and before I turn the mic over, I want to leave you guys with a final thought. You know, I want to leave you with one, if you take anything home from what I'm going to take, from what I'm saying today, take this home with you. You know, we many times think of ourselves as incapable of doing great things for the kingdom of God. But every great change starts with one small step. Every great change. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that again. It came to me the other day and I was like, this is good. Many times we think of ourselves as incapable of doing great things for the kingdom of God. But every great change or feat starts with one small step. Everything starts with one small step. We look at great empires of the world. We look at huge companies like Google. I was seeing a meme the other day where it shows that Google was started. I mean, you can't believe everything you see on the Internet, obviously. But it says that it started like in a garage. And, and that's, that's amazing. And now it's a huge conglomerate company. You know, it's amazing. I think of my son, my son, Sebastian. You look at him now, he's running up and down just causing holy terror everywhere he goes. You know, but I, I'm thinking about when he first started walking. When he first, this past summer stood up with those wobbly legs and took his first step. That first step that he took, I'll never forget, we filmed it. That first step that he took <laughs> was what led him to now be running up and down. And it's the same with us. We have to take that first step. We have to take that first step. Whatever it is that God has called you to do, whatever it is that's tugging at your heart, whatever it is that God has been working on you, we need to take that first step. Everything starts with the first 
first step. You know, maybe there's not this one thing that God is tugging at you. I would say start praying because I don't believe you're here by coincidence. I don't believe in, in luck per se. I believe that we have all been called. I believe we have all been called. And all of you who are hearing this, it's because God wants you to take that step. There's something that he wants you to do. You know, I read in a book once, and I probably said it before, that there's a ministry or a person that's not being reached or done because you're not doing it. It's that important. You are that special to God that he has a specific ministry and thing that he wants you to accomplish for him. Please stand up. You receive that amen, amen. We're going to pray, but, uh, you know, as he was talking about that first step, I just felt, you know, the Holy Spirit tagging you a little bit. You know, what do we do when they, when they take the first step? We celebrate. Man, you will, you will hashtag everywhere. Oh, we celebrate. I'm telling you, you know, the Twitter world and the Instagram world will know that Guess what? He took, she took the first step. You know, as God's children, he rejoices over us every time we take that first step. He rejoices over your life. Even as you're sitting here and Pastor Chris is talking and you're feeling something inside of you and say, I got to take that one step. Sometimes the first step is simple. It's like, I'm going to crack open my Bible. I'm going to turn off Fox News, CNN, MSN, all of the NNN and whatever. I'm going to look at the good news for a little bit and purify my mind with the word of God. And God in heaven is like, look it. That's my kid. That's my daughter. He's cheering. He's rejoicing over you. That scripture, the Bible says he rejoices over us. He rejoices over us when we take that one step. Take your first step today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you that you said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. Lord, your word is life to us. Your word, oh God, is what we need, oh God, to transform us, to change us into your likeness, and to propel us into our destiny that's already ordained by you. And today I ask, As we hear these words, oh God, I know we are all in different places in our lives. That we will not be just people that say, that was good. But we will respond to you by taking the first step. Give us the strength we need. Give us the wisdom we need. Provide the resources we need to be all that we can be in you, Lord. We thank you and we praise your name, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I want you to keep your eyes closed still. I'm going to continue to pray. For some, this morning, the first step, actually it's always the first step for all of us, is really surrendering your life to Jesus Christ and saying, I give you my heart. That's where it begins. It's like, I don't want to live the same way. I want to I start a fresh start with God. And I want to pray for you also because you need that first step and you need uh, the church body and the family here to support you so you can take that first step. You've never said yes to Jesus. Or maybe you have before. But now you're so far away from him. And you're like, you know what? You haven't gone too far for God. You just have to say, yes, God. I want to take the first step. Give my life to Jesus. As we are praying, and I have every head bowed just to honor God and his presence, I want you to say, 
If it's that's you, you say, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Just raise your hand. I have my eyes open. I'm looking. Because we don't want to leave you the same way. Don't leave the same way as you came in. Allow God to transform your life by opening your heart to him. And say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want to come back to you. Wave at me. I'm, on a lo- I'm looking. Just to say, hey, Pastor Solo, that's me. I, just where you are. You don't need to come here or anything. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Everybody else that's already saved, I want you to begin to pray just right where you are. Yes, God. It is this important to God. And that's why we're taking a little moment. The courage you need today. God, I pray for those that are struggling with just courage or yes, embarrassment God. or fear, yes, Lord. Yes, you said Lord. if we are ashamed of you, you will be ashamed of us. And, we should. and Lord, I just pray today that you infuse in their hearts the strength they need to say yes. Yes to God. Forgive me my sins. Fill me. Let me start a new walk with you. Lord, I pray for that strength right now and that courage in the name of Jesus. If that's you, I'm giving you a moment. God sees you. He wants to restore your yes. life. He wants to begin a restoration process in you. And you say, you know, maybe it's just recommitment. You've been far from him. And you're like, I need, I know I need to make things right with God. That's the first step. And that's why I'm dwelling and I'm st- spending a lot of time. Because I don't want you to miss this. It's so important. It's so important to God. He loves you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you. And he wants to save your life. That's, if that's you, wave your hand. I want to see it. I want to pray for you. Thank you. You can, thank you. You can put your hand down. I see. Thank you. You can put your hand down. God sees your hurt. Not just your hand. He sees your heart. He says, men look at the outside, but God judges the intentions of the heart. If that's you. I want to give you a moment. I just feel in my heart there's somebody today that you say, you know what? I need a fast step. And, and, and I'm not getting a release because God is wanting your heart. He wants to restore your life. He wants to begin a new thing in your life today. And today is your day of salvation. Give you one moment. Thank you, Lord. Anybody? Want any more? Anybody else? I say, thank you. Thank you. All right. In this case, I'm going to ask us to pray together with this. Pray together this prayer. Say, dear Lord Jesus, dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I come to you today, just as I am. Just as I am. I thank you. I thank you that you sent your Son, that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to die on the cross for my sins. For my sins. I ask you today, Lord. I ask you today, Lord, that you forgive me of my sins. That you forgive me of my sins. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I am a sinner. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. I've walked against you. I've walked against you. But today, Lord, but today, Lord I'm taking the first step. I'm, taking the I'm opening my heart to I'm you. Up the, my heart to Forgive you. me of my sins. Forgive me of Fill my me sins. with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy and Spirit. help me to follow you. And help me to, help me to trust in you. Help me to trust in you. And from today on, from today on I'm, committed I'm committed to follow you, to follow you. on step two. Step, step, three, step three for the rest of my life, for the rest of my life. In, Jesus name. in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord glory. Give him praise. Hallelujah.